0: Is that in the world today, with political situations around the world and even in Washington, D.C., it's safe to say we have a mess. We have men and women who have just helped make a huge mess of what seems to be a political system that should operate pretty well, especially in America with the Constitution that's pretty clear and everything. So uh, sometimes it takes politicians to mess it up. So leads me to our joke. How many of you like to laugh? I always ask this, but how many of you really like to laugh? Because a lot of people don't like to laugh, and that's part of the problem, because the joy of the Lord is our strength. So uh, this is a busload of politicians. Many parties were on the bus going to a little retreat, a little seminar out in the country, and they were on this bus, and they were all heading down the road in the country. A busload of politicians were driving down a country road when all of a sudden, the bus ran off the road, crashed into a tree, at an old farmer's field, and the old farmer, seeing what happened, went out to investigate. He then proceeded to dig a hole and bury all of the politicians. A few days later, the local sheriff came, saw the Christ bus, asked the farmer where all the politicians had gone. The sheriff, uh, the the old farmer said, well, I buried them all. And, And the sheriff said, were they all dead? And the farmer said, well... Some of them said they weren't, but you know how politicians lie. (laughs) If you have your Bible, turn to the book of John, chapter 8. We're going to be reading there. And let's make this confession because I I love it even though I love our new one. The Word of God God is true. true. If I live the Word, I I will be blessed. blessed. If I don't, I don't, I I won't. It's just that simple. And in the next 30 minutes or so, great worship, Pam. You've got a great worship team. Let's give our worship team a hand. They do an awesome job. All of our tech people back there and are, uh, that are involved, give them a hand, too. We thank God for each of them. Any of you, you want to get involved with our tech crew back there, be it Sound or be it PowerPoint, uh, just call the office tomorrow, and they'll uh, take your name, and we can, we can use you. But <clears throat> basically... This message is about living the truth of the Word of God. And I'm going to paraphrase it real quickly for you here, and then we're going to talk about it scripturally. But in the very beginning, in the garden, God created man to be in charge of everything on this earth. Now, we know that the enemy was here, but the enemy was to be subject to man, and that man would be in the image of God, created in God's image. And that we would subdue, we would conquer, and we would rule over this earth. And that it would be in the likeness of God himself that mankind was created. And because of the fall, we know that the enemy got in there and he distorted everything. And he stole from the truth of the word of God. But if we understand that through Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit, God reinstated his original plan. That we would be down here just like God himself would be down here and that we would rule on this earth and that we would do what God originally intended through Jesus and through what he would give us as an example, through his blood, through his death and resurrection. And then the Holy Spirit would come and dwell within us and give us the ability to be just like God. Now, some people have a problem with that, and they say, well, you're saying we're supposed to be God down here? No, we aren't God. There's only one God. But I'm going to show you how you can change your life today, if you will do it, by living the truth of the Word of God. And Jesus said in the book of John, chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, said basically, if you'll abide in my words, if you'll understand what the truth is, then the truth will set you free and that the truth, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. There are many people today, I'm talking about Christians now. Turn to your neighbor and say, this message is for the body of Christ. Because there are people that don't know Jesus as their Lord and Savior, or have walked away from him, and they need to come home. But if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is your message. This is how you are supposed to live your life. There are a lot of people that are trying to get set free from things that they think bother them, uh, things that, well, this isn't going right, or that's going right, not going right, or this problem, or I need deliverance, or all of these kind of things. And I'm not saying I'm not into deliverance, but I'll tell you what, I find it very hard to believe that a born-again, spirit-filled believer with the power of the Holy Spirit inside them can be captivated by the devil unless they just give up on God. I believe that if you keep your mind renewed, the devil has no place in your life, and the devil will never have a place in your life if you keep your mind renewed. But that's the key, and it's Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. My experience in ministry has been that many people, and I share this scripture all the time. You hear this scripture a lot, but I believe this is the root challenge for almost all people. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says to present your body as a living sacrifice, pure, holy, acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. And don't be conformed to this world and all the junk that's out there, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will know the perfect will of God. I know your Bible says the good, acceptable, perfect will of God. Those are adjectives talking about one will. God's will for your life is perfect. And if our mind is renewed, everything we do is through thought. Everything that we do is through what we think, and once it goes through our mind, if your mind is renewed to the things of God and to the truth of the Word of God, then you're going to fulfill God's will in your life. Turn to your neighbor and say, I really want to do God's will. But sometimes we think, well, there, these situations and circumstances bother me because, you know, I, they, they, they just don't line up with, with what I should be doing or, or, or how I should handle it, and, and, and we get really concerned about trying to justify the way we are based on how we have been treated, our things that have gone not the way we thought they would. You can always try to justify the way you are, but basically you are the way you are because of decisions you've made, not decisions that have been made for you by other people. Nobody can make you be anything other than who God's called you to be if you will understand that and if you will live that. We, I use this example in the in the first service, and it, it's a good one. I've been thinking about Isaiah Harbolt a lot. Isaiah uh, just went last week into the Marine Corps. He's got 13 weeks of intense training he's going through, and I can just know, I just know about where he is right now. He's probably saying, "What have I gotten into?" Uh, it, it takes about three four weeks to settle in, maybe five, and then you got eight more weeks. You got 13 weeks total. But the first thing they're going to do, I shared some of this Wednesday night. The first thing they're going to do is they're going to try to break his, they're not going to try, they're going to break his will. They're going to break his will and instill the will of the Marine Corps in that guy. They're going to try to get every fear that he has and let it surface so they can deal with it so that he's going to be able to follow orders and he's going to live based on what they want him to do based on being a Marine. He's going to receive a a manual called the Uniform Code of Military Justice. It will tell him how to conduct his life 24 hours a day. He's going to receive a manual. It's going to be the United States Marine Corps manual, and it's going to tell him how 24 hours a day to conduct himself as a Marine, whether you're on duty or whether you're off duty, and they're going to tell him you're never off duty. He's going to receive a copy of the Constitution of the United States of America, of which he swore to defend, and he is going to have that beaten into him and drummed into him and everything to renew his mind to something that he hasn't had before, and it's going to change his way of thinking. Everybody say, change his way of thinking. And for 13 weeks and the rest of his enlistment, he's going to constantly have that in him to become an automatic response of self-discipline. And when we get to that point in our lives, then we can accomplish the task at hand. And we have a manual that is absolutely awesome. It's called the Word of God. We have a supplement to that. It's called the current manna of the revelation of the Word of God that we write down when God speaks to us. And we have God's plan for our life so that nobody can make us be something that we don't want to be. Turn to your neighbor nobody can make you be anything other than what you want to be. Now, what we have a lot of sometimes in the body of Christ is people try to say, well, <clears throat> I am, I'm like I am because of, and then fill in the blanks, whatever. After 40 years, I can fill in the blanks for you. You know, you think you like this because of this. And, and to me, it's just a big excuse for not being who you are. And then some people, they come up with a book years ago that, uh, well, there's several books out, but, but the one, uh, I can't think of the one, Florence Littenauer, I think was her name, funny, funny lady, but uh, on personalities, and you have basically they, they call it caloric, melancholy, phlegmatic, and sanguine. Yeah, and so, you know, they have, they have good points and bad points, and here are the strengths of this person and this personality, and here are the strengths of this person. I don't buy into any, any of that stuff. That's all, to me, a bunch of gobbledygook from the world. We are all called to be one way. Turn to your neighbor and so you're called to be one way. Now, I understand you have a dominant characteristic. I understand that. We all do have. Pam says, I am total phlegmatic. I took the test. I pegged out total phlegmatic. If I got a chance to do something, I can do it, but I just as soon lay back and do nothing. I'm fine doing that. Uh, but then, what, what did we say the personality of, uh, let me see. You read somewhere with the personality of Jesus. Well, I forget what, what? What, is what? The phlegmatic. Oh, oh, my God, I forgot about that. I, I always forget that part. In, in, in the book, it says the phlegmatic is most like Jesus. I don't know if that's true or not. I think it's all excuse for. I think it's all excuse. But I'm not going to comment on Jesus. But if you get a hold of this message, it'll change your life. You and I, from the time we were saved, became different if we would allow God to do it. Our spirit man that was dead then came alive through the Holy Spirit, and now in this body, there's something different. This Holy Spirit lives within us, and when you understand that, then you are on a mission for God to accomplish his plan and his purpose, whatever your field of endeavor has to be, happens to be. Maybe you're an entrepreneur. Maybe you're working in a business. Maybe you're working in a factory. Whatever it is, you are called to be and wear a certain uniform, Isaiah is given one uniform and one uniform only, and those are military, Marine Corps fatigues, and that's all he's gonna wear for 13 weeks. But then afterwards, after he shows them that he is capable of wearing the globe and anchor, he's gonna get dress blues, he's gonna get nicer uniforms, but he's gonna have to prove that he can move into that next level. There's always a next level for us to move into. Now, this is what I wanna share with you because it is just so powerful if you get a hold of it. In John chapter 16, verses 13 through 15, it talks about and shares with us what happens when the Holy Spirit comes into our life and how he will begin to lead and guide us into all truth. It says, when the Holy Spirit has come, he will guide you into all truth. He'll not speak on his own, but he will speak. And, uh, whatever he hears, he will speak. And then he will tell you the things to come. This is where this prayer journal comes in. This is where you write down, this is what the Holy Spirit is showing to me. This is what I'm going to be doing with the rest of my life. This is his plan. And that this is his answer to that situation that I'm not sure how to handle it. This is how I'm supposed to do that. That's because the truth is that the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Turn to your neighbor and tell him the truth is the Holy Spirit speaks to you. And if you listen, you will always hear. Jesus said it a different way in John 10, 27. He says, my people uh, hear my voice, that we hear the voice of the Lord. Now, in Galatians chapter 2, because what we're going to be talking about today is how to live the truth. And Galatians 2, 20 says this. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. 1 Corinthians six nineteen and 20 says it a little bit different says, you were bought and paid for with the price. Therefore, glorify God in your body, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit. In other words, God himself, through the presence of the Holy Spirit, lives within you. I want to say that again. God himself, through the presence of the Holy Spirit, bor- reborn your, uh, uh, rebirth your spirit, man. And that God himself, through the spirit of the living god the holy spirit lives within us so therefore it's no longer i who live but christ who lives in me everybody says no longer i who live but christ who lives within me now we're going to talk about this in depth no more anger no more bitterness no more uh, being concerned no more hostility no more profanity. None of the things that you used to do because now it's going to be a different person. When we came back to start the church, uh, I had gone down to the Journal and Courier to set up an account uh, for uh, newspaper advertising and other things, and I was standing there with the girl, and I heard this voice from around the corner, and is a friend of mine that years and years ago in the restaurant business knew me. He came around the corner, and he heard me telling the girl my name and all that Bill Mickler, my wife Pam, and I are. Starting the church, and, and he said, My goodness, is this the Bill Mickler that I used to know in the restaurant business, and you are now a pastor? And when I looked up, I saw him, and I knew what he was thinking. His name is John. And I said, Oh, no, John, that guy died. This is a new guy. Well, we're standing in this office where all these people are, and this is the desk. And when I said, No, no, that guy died. This is a new guy, I mean, every eye was fixed on me, and uh, I was explaining to him what happened. When you receive Jesus, it should be and is supposed to be no longer you who live. So tell, tell your neighbor, you're, you're no longer, it's you living. That sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it, honey? It's no longer you who live, it's Christ in you. In other words, we give way from the old man to give Jesus the chance to rule in our life, which was God's original attempt. So therefore, we are moving in a new dimension of faith to live the truth. If, if, if you understand this, it will change every single area of your life because God doesn't want you to be moved by anything that you see or experience other than his truth. And the truth is that you are created in the image of God. God has a plan for you, and God wants you to to be an imitator of him in everything that we do. And we're gonna look at this in just a moment. I shared in the first service, when I was, when Daniel, our grandson, by the way, we have another grandson out in Charlotte, North Carolina, he's a sophomore in high school. He's uh, uh, just was able to get on the varsity uh, relay team and they just won the state championship in North Carolina for the 400. We are so proud of Braden. he did a great job. And uh, So anyway, what, what happens then is that you get to the point when you understand what the Word of God is saying, that nothing should ever bother us and cause us to be anything other than the image God created us to be. Turn to your name and say, nothing should ever bother you. Now, you can be sitting here right now going through things, going through horrible situations. I understand that. And, and, and you can say, well, wait a minute. How can this not affect? my emotions. Your emotions were never made to control you. Your emotions were never made to make you feel bad about things. Your emotions were never made to make you discouraged. Your emotions that came from God are contained in his fruit of his spirit. And that when we understand that, then it will change our entire life. And so uh, the example I was going to give was when Daniel was little, three, four years old, he was with us a lot. And one day I was coming in the sanctuary here and I just being silly walking down the aisle and I, I don't know why I did it with it but I just stuck my leg out like that and did something silly and out of the corner of my eye I saw him behind me. He did the same thing. And then I, I walked a little bit further and I did something else and, and, and he, he was imitating everything that I did. And I felt like the Lord said that's how it was supposed to be. That children would be raised by godly men and women that they would be able to imitate the father because the father is imitating me and that the mother is imitating me. If we understand this, and I, I know it's going to sound a little strange, but we are called to be imitators. Everybody say, I'm called to be an imitator. And that we can we, we can walk away from the truth and imitate the hurt of the world and the hurt that people have brought our way, or we can set our uh, our focus like a flint on who are we supposed to imitate. Nobody can make you feel bitter or discouraged or defeated unless you give them your permission. Nobody can beat you down unless you give them permission to beat you down. Nobody can make you feel bad about yourself unless you let them feel bad about yourself. We are called to live the truth. And the truth says we are the head, not the tail. The truth says we have the mind of Christ. The truth says we are healed by the stripes of Jesus. The truth says we have been created in God's image. If we live the truth and, and, and focus upon the truth, then we don't deviate from the truth. Isaiah is going through 13 weeks of truth, 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 truth on how to be a good Marine, how to be a good Marine. We should be living our entire life. How can I live the life I've been called to live? How can I be like Jesus? How can I live a life? like God. For most people, it is so far beyond them, what do you mean I should live a life like God lives? How could anybody do that? I'm glad you asked. Tell your neighbor you came to the right service. Let's look in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23, and it's telling us what happens with the whole, wherever the Holy Spirit is, what a person is going to be like. This is what will happen in every person who has the Holy Spirit within them and allows, everybody say allows, and allows the fruit of the Holy Spirit to consume their life and take over their life. Does it mean that everything is going to go exactly the way God planned it for you the rest of your life? I don't think so. I've read your prayer request. I don't think so at all. I say, I pray We pray over every one of your prayer requests. And I know there are times you're really going through a lot. But the fruit of the Spirit is what we're supposed to live with. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, uh, uh, self-control. All of those things are what we have. Everybody say, I have that. Let's look at that again. Gentle, well, uh, we can go back here. Uh, We've got them on two different slides, don't we? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is what I have. And then you get this report, and this report that comes that, you know, this is happening, that's happening, fill in the blanks, and all of a sudden, things are not going the way you think they should but you still have the fruit of the Spirit within you. Everybody say, I have the fruit of the Spirit. So how we respond to everything should be based on the truth of the Word of God. I'm going to walk with love. I'm going to walk with joy. I'm going to walk with peace. I have self-control. I have patience. I have goodness. I have meekness. I have long-suffering. So therefore, I am not going to let anything bother me from taking me away from the image that I'm trying to project. And what is that image that we're trying to project? When we read on in Galatians chapter 5, verses 24 and 25, it says that we are to walk those who are Christ. Everybody say, that's me. Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the realm of the Spirit. Your flesh, you know this as well as I do, has passion and desire and is trying to control you. But what it's trying to do is to steal the truth from you. The truth is that we have the presence of the Holy Spirit within us and that we can always live the truth. Let's say, I can always live the truth. Years ago when we were on staff in Tulsa, if, if you will purpose in your heart to always live the truth, you will always have the fruit of the Holy Spirit manifest in your life. You'll have it manifest. And you're going to be able to do what we're going to say in these next two scriptures if you, if you will really focus and yield to the power of the Holy Spirit. But it will always it will not always make you the most popular person on the block because there are times when the Spirit of Truth will speak to you what to say into a situation spirit of truth will speak to you what to tell an individual and you will have this thought oh my goodness no if i do that they're going to be upset with me that has nothing to do with living the truth fear of man is one of the biggest snares you will ever have how many of you had moments just like i described when you knew that god was speaking to you to do something and you tried to choke it back. Can I see your hand? You know exactly what I'm talking about and you know the feeling that God has given you and you're trying to hold it back. I know there are different levels of repercussion that can come, but it has to be to the point in your life that you are going to imitate and be like God wants you to be no matter what the repercussion might be. As a matter of fact, it isn't even going to matter what somebody else thinks to you. You're going to respond immediately. That is exactly what Isaiah is learning in the Marine Corps, how to respond to orders immediately. The body of Christ could learn a great lesson from a Marine Corps training film. And when we were on staff in Tulsa years ago, Bill Winston, a friend of ours from the Tulsa days, uh, was out there, didn't know him really well, but knew him. And, and, and Bill was going to Oral Roberts University, and he's since, of course, been in Chicago, and what a success story, owns a shopping center up there, his church, and. I don't know. His church is about seven, eight thousand people right now. He's just absolutely anointed of God, and uh, we love Bill. And but, but, but Bill was doing a leadership conference at Victory in Tulsa, and uh, when he got ready to start, he said, "I want to, I want to show you guys what we show all of our leaders in our church, and they got to get involved with this, and they got to have it instilled within them." and he shows a marine corps boot camp training film of them all arriving in boot camp and getting on the lines and the drill instructor yelling at them and screaming at them and all this kind of stuff he says you got to get to the point in the body of christ where you're going to follow orders and that the body of christ notoriously doesn't like to follow orders turn to your neighbor say aren't you glad you came today <laughs> But that's the truth of the Word of God. We've got to be submitted to do what God tells us to do. The Holy Spirit is not confused. I think a lot of people in the body of Christ are confused, but the Holy Spirit is not confused. The Holy Spirit shows us what to do. He hears from God. The Holy Spirit tells us what we need to know, and then the chain should go on, and it should accomplish God's plan, but sometimes it doesn't work that way. So we're sitting in this meeting out in Tulsa, and, and I am I, just one of four other guys, five other guys on the staff, and, uh, and, and we all meet with the pastor, I, I think it was once a week, maybe the other week, Pastor Billy Joe, he's in heaven now, and he would tell us things that he felt God showed him and the vision and all, and we'd just talk and pray for one another and everything. And so this one particular meeting we we're having, it was the one time of year when we had to move out of the Maybe Center, which is on the campus of Oral Roberts University at Huge is a basketball arena, but it looks like anything but a basketball arena. looks like a plush theater even to this day. seats about 10,000 people. At the time, we're running about 6,000 people in attendance. And, and that they had to refinish the floor and that we had to move the whole church up to up a tall hill. If you've ever been to Oral Roberts University, you have a great big tall hill into what's called Christ Chapel. And at Christ Chapel, uh, it, 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 it's difficult. Every year it happened, the attendance went down. When, when we would move up there because people just don't like to go out of the way to do that kind of thing. And so one of the guys suggested to Pastor Doherty, he said, I think that it would be good if we didn't tell the congregation that we were going to move ahead of time like we have in the past. Our, our attendance always drops, and we'll just when they show up, we'll have vans ready to shuttle them up there, and, and we, we won't lose our attendance. And The other four or five guys all just kind of chimed in. They said the same thing. Now, in my spirit, this is what I heard Immediately when they were talking about it. Don't respond to fear. Don't ever respond to fear. And that's all I heard. So they went around and they talked for a while. And Pastor Doherty, as he did most of the meetings, just sat there and listened. And finally he looked over at me. And uh, he said, Bill, you haven't said anything. And I said, yeah, I know. I still wasn't planning the same thing. And I said, yeah, I know. And and he said, I want to know what you think. And I said, well, I think that to not tell the congregation would be rooted in fear and that our trust wouldn't then be in God to take care of it and that we're intentionally keeping something from them. Now, these are all my friends that have just chimed in that this is exactly what we ought to do. These are my former friends that were sitting there looking at me. And and they're all looking at me. Billy Joe, as he would do many times when you would talk to him, he'd just be like a laser looking at you, he's trying to, look to make sure you know what you're talking about and, and, uh, and, and th- that part I understood and was fine my friends were daggers look at, looking at me and, and, and I said then, I, I just think that we should trust God tell the congregation, put it in a bulletin and God will take care of it and I'm sure Billy Joe only stared at me for 10 seconds but it felt like 10 hours and, uh, and I'm just sitting there and finally he said you know I think Bill is right we need to tell the congregation and we trust God. He gets up and leaves the room. I wish I had left with him <laughs> because I'm sitting there with my former friends all staring at me like this. Now, I know this sounds uh, overconfident, but I don't think you can be overconfident with God. If you have heard from God, you are confident. And uh, I knew I heard from God, so I was fine, but I didn't like the feeling. I didn't like the fact that I had alienated all of these guys, and some of them never came around again because it was like I said, you guys are wrong. Everybody say, I think you're wrong. Sometimes we just need to tell somebody, I think you're wrong. I respect your position, but I think you're wrong. And I think if you keep going down that road, you're going to find out. I know what I'm talking about, and you're going to walk off a cliff. I mean, sometimes (coughs) we don't ever want to hurt people. But grabbing somebody that's getting ready to walk off a cliff isn't gonna hurt them, it's gonna help them. And, and what, what happened in that meeting really taught me a lot. Some of these guys never came around. As a matter of fact, one of them said, I think you're just a yes man for the pastor after that. Well, it, it wasn't so much that I cared what he thought about me and my spirit, but in my mind, I didn't want anybody to be upset with me. And then I realized that would be a heck of a way to, to not serve God in the ministry to be concerned about people. How many of you realize it's very easy to be concerned about the feelings of people? And it sounds good, but you can't separate the truth from how people are gonna process. In other words, if I have something to say to you that I think is from the Holy Spirit, I can't be concerned about how you're gonna process it. My concern is that I answer the orders that came down from headquarters. The Holy Spirit, do, and I know you got to get a visual of this, but it's so true. The Holy Spirit doesn't hear from God and say, can you clarify that? I don't, I don't think I understand that. I don't think they're going to like to hear that. Could you soften that up a little bit? I don't think that's the way it works in the Trinity. I believe exactly what it said in John chapter 16. God said, this is what I want them to know. The Holy Spirit shows you, and he expects you to let it flow through you and do whatever he says. Now, this is the good news. Everybody say good news. The good news is that you and I are on this earth for a brief period of time on an assignment from God to imitate God in everything that we do. How do you imitate God? Well, number one, you find out what God is like. So we find that out here. And then number two, we find out what does he want me to do with my life, and we have that in our prayer journal. And then, as we're going through the daily motions of life, God speaks to us by his Spirit. If you understand this, it'll change your life forever. You are not called to be a choleric or a melancholy or a phlegmatic or whatever that other one is. You're called to be just like God. And it's in, the scripture is in uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1. Everybody say Ephesians Ephesians. chapter Chapter 5 verse 1. And it says, I am called to be an imitator of God as dear little children. What do children do? What did Daniel do in the sanctuary with me? He imitated me in everything that I did. He imitated me. He imitated me. He imitated me. me. I like yogurt after, what's that day school we sent him to? It doesn't really matter. Little lambs. Little lambs. Daniel hated to go to Little Lamb's uh, 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 preschool, preschool. His mom wouldn't take him. Grandma wouldn't take him. I was stuck with the job. They knew I'd throw him in the door, shut the door, and say, have a good day. And, I could, <laughs> and it's exactly what happened. It's exactly what happened. I would take him to Little Lamb's. I'd send him in. Hey, I love you, Pop. I love you, Pop. I'd see him going down crying in the hallway. Say, Suck it up, Daniel. Have a great day. And away I'd go. And then I'd pick him up because I knew it would be good for him. And then I'd pick him up and we'd go have a, I always liked to have a yogurt. And I'd pick up a yogurt and, he, and, and so he got into yogurts with me. And so every day day would have a yogurt. He never stopped crying when he went, but it was good for him. He needed to get the victory in that area of his life. Never too young to start getting the victory. I'm losing my train of thought, aren't I? Where was I going with that? Imitators. Yeah, Ephesians 5.1. So let's all say, I am called, called. By, God by God to imitate him so, therefore, I wonder if God would ever sit around and oh, say, I feel so bad about myself. No, 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 no. You've lost the truth. You are over there weeping with the devil. You're not alone, by the way. Some people say, well, you're all alone when you separate from God. No, 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 no. You're not alone. The devil's going to show up at your pity party. Every pity party you've ever had, you have the devil right there with you. Ah, oh, you have a right to feel like you are. No, you don't have any right to separate yourself from imitating God. That's why Jesus came. So therefore, and I know this sound, i know this doesn't go across real. I probably need to clean up my act a little bit. But sometimes I would say, "Suck it up, and move on." I don't know how spiritual suck it up and move on is, but it works for me. Sometimes you just need to say, you know what? I'm gonna be okay in this situation. This isn't working right, that isn't working right, but I still called to imitate God as a dear little child, and I know what kids do when they're little, they imitate God. When I was little, I had, I was, I, I didn't imitate Roy Rogers, I was Roy Rogers when I was little. I had my two guns, and there were other kids in the neighborhood, They thought they were Roy Rogers. They came out with one holster and one gun. Maybe it's all they could afford. I don't know, but I don't care. Anybody with one holster and one gun is not Roy Rogers. I had two holsters two guns. I was Roy Rogers, and I knew how to imitate Roy Rogers. I would go to every Roy Rogers show. I would ride around my tree at Ferry and, Creasy, or Ferry and Erie Street that the city cut down. Still haven't forgiven him for that. Cut down my tree, but I got a branch from that tree in my office, and I got the Ten Commandments of Roy Rogers for children, and I got that in my office right there at home, and I knew how he would spot. I knew how to twirl that gun backwards and put it in my holster at two at a time at one time. Now, I know that sounds kind of silly. Chris was in the first service. She said, well, I imitated Roy Rogers. And I said, well, okay, but girls aren't the same. You know, it's not, Roy Rogers was a guy. And She said, well, I was Roy Rogers too, and Pam was pulling my wagon, and Pam was trigger." <laughs> but we all, we all know what it's like because Chris, when she was young, that's where I started in the first service. Who was the girl? Patsy? Brenda Lee, yeah. Chris wanted to sing and be like Brenda Lee. That was her, that was, that was her role model or, or whatever. But if you understand this, in everything that I do and in everything that you do, we are called 24-7 to imitate God, to be an imitator of God. Would God allow the Holy Spirit to continually inundate him and flow through him? I know that's hard to imagine because of the Trinity. It's a, a, the Trinity. But, yes, God. God is... The Spirit of God, the, the, the Holy Spirit, that is God. Jesus was God made flesh. So what, what happens then is when we look at these, uh, and when you really line up the scriptures, in the very beginning, man was created in the image of God to be just like God on this earth. But he fell. Jesus came to restore God's original plan. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 11, such a powerful scripture, very similar to what we just read, imitate me as I... Imitate Jesus. So therefore, we become imitators. An imitator is someone who mimics, resembles, or tries to be like. Imitating God. How would God treat homeless people? How would God treat people who are offensive toward us? How would God treat people that hurt him and crucified him on the cross? What did Jesus say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Would God ever be bitter and angry toward his creation? No. He would forgive. He would walk in forgiveness. Jesus, God made flesh, said, pray for those who spitefully use you. Love those. Love your enemies. Love those. So we begin to walk in a different walk on this earth. And the person that it will really help if we do this is not only all the people in your sphere of influence. It will help you to be the person you want to be. There are times when all of us miss it. But I think there are times we don't even stop to think, when I get out of bed this morning, I am on an assignment. I am called to imitate God. Everywhere I go, McDonald's, imitating God for the person in the window, imitating God for the waitress that waits on me, imitating God for the person that goes through the red light and pulls out in front of me and lifts me off. Imitating God by just smiling and praying for that person. Let's stand to our feet. It would change your life if you make a decision in everything that you do today and for the rest of my life. I'm going to be an imitator of God as the dear little child. I'm going to do what Paul said. I'm going to imitate Jesus in everything that we do. One time I preached a message very similar to this. It was on uh, what would Jesus do, and we gave out arm bracelets. What would Jesus do? What would his decision, what would Jesus do? And I had a youth come up to me after the service and said, I do that WWJD too. I said, oh, you do? What would Jesus do? He said, no, not what would Jesus do. What would uh, Who would Jesus date? <laughs> I said, I, I think you missed my message. son. <laughs> who would Jesus date? Uh, but I think they missed the message." the good news is, it's never too late to change. Everybody says, it's never too late to change. If you understand this, once you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, it's no longer about you. It's about Him. He came to set people free so that people would go set other people free. And now, our life is to imitate Christ